0: Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 345, I get the chance to introduce you to Jen Couch. So
1: I stopped asking the question, is it bad enough? Because every time I asked that question, I always found someone who had it worse I always could justify through comparison that my drinking wasn't bad enough to change. Hello, I looked like everybody else on the outside. So I I turned it around and I started asking myself the question, Jen, is it good enough? Is your drinking good enough for you? Is your relationship with drinking helping you become the best version of yourself? Is it taking you where you really wanna go? Is it matching up to your outsides being like your insides? Or are you walking around with duplicity in a divided mind and a mental tug of war? And what, what kind of opportunity or energy is that robbing you of because you're divided, that if you were wholehearted and aligned in your mind, body, and spirit, what could you do? Not what shouldn't you do. What could you do if you weren't managing this habit? this rock that I had in my backpack that I was carrying around trying to run this amazing race, this this elite race that God calls us to
0: run. Jen is an empty nester mom and a retired gray area drinker, and she's going to take us into her story, a story of feeling tired, stuck on autopilot, ready for a change when it came to her relationship with alcohol. This is an invitation. I hope you heard that in that quote, that this is not... Um, a shame, a judge, a blame. This is if you personally are at this place where you're tired of the mental duplicity, the wanting something different, the time, energy, attention that anything, whether it's alcohol or something else, is taking away from living the life you wanna live. I hope Jen's story is an encouragement to you, an invitation to try a different way. And if you are wanting to join a community of women who are renegotiating Their relationship with alcohol without labels, shame, or judgment. Please check out Jen's group. It's Sober Sis. We'll put all the links in the show notes. I was really encouraged by this conversation. I hope you are too. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Jen, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you, Heather. Glad to be here today. Well, we were maybe going to connect two years ago, but this to me is the perfect time. To have this conversation. Exactly.
1: Right. Right. In time as the holidays, well, aren't even approaching. We're <laughs> technically in them. We're in them now. We're in
0: them. It's official. Yeah. We're it's in official. them. It's official. Yeah. And I think for me personally, this topic of gray area drinking, I can feel the pull and I don't want to deny my own personal convictions. I also, you and I agree, Don't want to bring this topic up and add guilt and shame to anyone. And so I know (laughs) this is, we're going into muddy waters here, folks, but my listeners (laughs) trust me. We've done this before. We've talked about hard topics before. I would love if you would just share your story a little bit, how you got to create this amazing ministry for women. And is it for women? It says sis. So it's for women. It is. It is
1: for women. I mean, anybody can follow me on good old Instagram. And I think the things that I share there would, would be hopefully inspirational, encouraging to anyone wanting to be more sober minded, more present in their own life. Uh, But my my program and really the like minded community of women um, are indeed sober minded sisters,
0: sisters. Yes.
1: (laughs) Okay. So where did you how did you even get here? Yeah. Well, great question, Heather. At the time of us recording this in fall of 2021, um, I just turned 50 this year. It was a big milestone, a big landmark. And I I got here uh, very intentionally. And my journey towards showing up at 50 differently than I did 40 was uh, a catalyst. For me to look at things in my life that were not aligning with who I really was, my identity, my identity in Christ, my identity as who I really wanted to be out in the world. I wanted to be wholehearted. I know that you use that word also. I wanted to be wholehearted. And for me, I was walking around with a divided mind when -hmm. it came to my relationship with drinking. That was it. It was just divided. Um, and I knew that if I wanted to show up more wholehearted, more in line, mind, body and spirit, just be the best version of myself at 50, I needed to, to get some work done. And so in my mid 40s, I, I did something kind of major. I decided to look at my relationship with alcohol (laughs) Okay, (laughs) and um, I just a little bit more about my story. And I know that you'll have listeners who can relate to uh, starting drinking at a later age. I know a lot of women out there or men who are listening, you know, you started drinking in high school or college, like what most people did, but there, there are quite a few of us out there that didn't really start socially drinking on a regular basis Um, Until we were maybe married or moms or working or found ourselves in networking, happy hour type situations way after those, you know, younger teenage days. And uh, that was me. I was a 32 year old working mom of two when I kind of found myself falling into this happy hour networking uh, for a business I was in kind of routine. And it all started out very just social. And quite honestly, Heather, because I'd grown up in a Christian home, had and have a, a strong personal relationship with the Lord, I, I really didn't see any cautionary tale about it. I, I honestly just kind of walked into it a little bit naive and kind of kind of got blindsided, if you will, as to the pull and maybe the effect that this would down the road. Kind of have on my life, and I think that that was that was interesting. I didn't walk into it like, oh yeah, I've seen this go real wrong for people near me. It was mm-hmm. more like, oh, I've met the the criteria. I'm over 21. I'm not drinking to get drunk. That's a sin, and I'm not driving. I mean, those were literally the rules I grew up with around alcohol, around drinking. And so, what do you do? Yeah, when you're a 30 something year old mom. And you're like, I, those rules don't apply to me anymore. What do I do now?
0: Cause I think when we bring this topic up, it does bring up how, how we were raised and how we, and we were going to talk about that, like the family origins or the narratives around alcohol. And for some, and I can, it, it, it's triggering just saying it because of the horrors and the tragedies for people very close to them. And so their stance has been, I'm staying far away from it. I'm not even dabbling because I've seen how my life can go wrong. And so it's interesting to me that that wasn't your story. And then you've got the other extreme where it was off limits. No one around them drank at all. It was, um, you're not a good Christian if you do. And so it's very interesting to me that you're holding this tension in the middle, this gray area of, you know, neither side of that. Exactly. And still, the that, challenges. That is, yeah,
1: that is true. I I'm, I was a gray area drinker and really had a gray area experience with yeah. drinking as well. Yeah, you bring up a good point because I didn't have a severe story, positive or negative, around me surrounding alcohol. It had always been kind of neutral, mm-hmm. and in and of itself, the alcohol is kind of neutral. It's really just sitting there. It's just it's just a substance. It's a mm-hmm. liquid. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of attachments, good or bad, or meaning attached to alcohol. So when I started drinking, it was like, hey, (laughs) wow, this is fun. Like, where have I been? Yo, like, yo, yo, like, (laughs) storm is rolling in. Yeah. Let's crack a bottle on the front porch, babe. Yeah. I mean, it turned from like happy hour kind of pleasantry to socialize and connect to, almost it felt like I did kind of go back and forth from, I know I need to do everything in moderation, but now I'm feeling this liberty that I didn't maybe have before because it wasn't even on my radar as Mm. something that I was interested in.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: And I was, I was in a state school. I was in a sorority. I was actually president of my sorority at Texas Tech, so I was around drinking constantly, but for whatever reason, I'll call it God's protection probably on my life, knowing my personality, um, he probably was just protecting me from myself, because I did look around, and I guess that was all the cautionary, you know, tale that I needed, was looking around, and not judging people, really not, honestly, not judging them, but going, wow, that looks kind of, you know, scary, kind of out of control, I mean, this is the late 80s, early nineties. So there's no Uber, there's no cell phone. You're, you're stuck out there. And that for me was a deterrent.
0: Yeah. The the lack of control and the The
1: lack of control, which ironically would factor into my desire for drinking
0: Mm. was
1: wanting to loosen up my high need for control and my anxiety.
0: (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. So really, yeah, that's, that's where we do the, the work of figuring out what else is going on.
1: Right. What else is
0: going on that this is becoming a thing?
1: Yeah, I took to drinking immediately first socially like, oh, I can I can really kind of fit in the mainstream now. And again, it wasn't that I had tried so hard. I was just, you know, married, cranking out kids in, the, in my 20s. So I was becoming a mom and I was, you know, pregnant multiple times in my 20s. So for me, it just it wasn't even time. So. Yeah, I think for me, it it did start out one way, but there was something initially that tapped into my desire to unwind, Mm -hmm. unplug a little bit and kind of check out a bit from the high responsibility, high control mindfulness that I was practicing 24 seven all the time.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Help. I know Jen's sharing her story and she's talking about the gray area of drinking and how she was wondering if it was bad enough. And maybe you're at this place where it's not alcohol, it's something else. Maybe something that's keeping you stuck. Maybe the pressures of motherhood and the holidays coming up are bringing up some trauma from your past or some other issues that you would like a professional therapist to help you walk through. Well, I know for me personally, what was most challenging was asking for a phone number and then actually going to the therapy. So I want to help make it easier for you by connecting you with Better Help. They will assess your needs, match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not self-help. It's not a crisis line. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available and it's for clients worldwide. You just log into your account. Anytime you send a message to your therapist and you'll get a timely, thoughtful response and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room or worry about childcare or all the things that come with the reasons why you're not getting the professional help that you need. They even want to make sure you have a good match. And so it's easy and free to change a therapist if needed. Go visit betterhelp.com DMA for Don't Mom Alone. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Join over 2 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And as a Don't Mom Alone listener, get 50% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash DMA.
1: So you have two kids? I do have two kids. Yes.
0: They're, so I, they're both in their 20s now.
1: Okay. Okay. Yep.
0: And did you always have a job outside the home in addition? Yeah.
1: Um, in and out. Okay. I've been a retail store owner. So that was kind of bring your kids to work day every day. <laughs> um, and then I've done several, I am an entrepreneur at heart. So I have owned several businesses and, and always kind of dabbled, you know, had my Etsy store and, you know, all the creative things. Uh, but really primarily, I would say my role was at home. That was where I spent the majority of my, of my focus and waking hours for sure.
0: But still like this constant, just constant. Mental strain yes. is what you're saying. This When you yes. say mindfulness, talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, again, I, I do use the word intentional a lot because uh, I think intentional living is the opposite of just kind of, you know, meandering through life without purpose, without substance to your choices or what you're doing. So throughout the day, you know, I would wake up uh, many a morning and have great intentions for that day. I would have my, you know, quiet time, prayer time, meditation, out on the back patio, doing my thing, getting my intention set for that day. A lot of that time would also be kind of saying sorry sometimes for the night before, because I did over drink or just drink at all when I kind of told myself I wouldn't, whether that was a book club, uh, just a Tuesday night cooking in my kitchen. It really didn't matter what it was. I'd gone against kind of my own promise to myself. So a lot of my intentions were to undo that from the night before by mindful behavior, by doing the right thing. And I'm an Enneagram one. I know that you are also familiar and your audience sounds familiar with the Enneagram. So I'm an Enneagram one with a strong nine wing. So I can go to that four and that seven. Y'all aren't into the Enneagram. Just ignore so what I just all the said, numbers. But, but yes, but basically, uh, yeah, either I withdraw order.
0: or you could go to a crazy party place. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And so my intentions would be to just do the right thing, be mindful and show up and get all the people where they needed to go. Uh, You know, keep keep a clean house if possible. Uh, Check the boxes, hit the marks, show up, perform, be who you need to be. Um, And I think in that I created life created but I mean, I took it in a lot of anxiety of just trying to always do the right thing and be the right way and handle everything correctly. And so, you know, by lunchtime I've done my noon yoga class, I've juiced my kale, I'm doing all the right things, mindfully speaking. I'm intentional, I'm mindful, but I've got this competing desire. <laughs> I've got that cognitive dissonance and that competing desire of wanting to not do all that, not feel so on top of it on the ball, checking the boxes. Where's my time? Where's me time? Kind of that. um, I think a lot of moms feel that way, kind of a reward at the end of the day for the mindfulness, for Mm -hmm. the intentionality and the workout and the juicing and the doing it right. And being there for everyone and listening and not blowing your top in the car when your kids are fighting on the way home. I was mindful until I wanted to be mindless. And that's when my mindless sipping came in to play. I wasn't a crazy drinker, you know, hitting the town, you know, hanging from the chandeliers. No, no just your quiet, uh, below the radar, just going to open a bottle of wine while I'm cooking in my kitchen or just going to have a few with my husband as an activity for us on a date night. You know, I was the, the person buying the, the Groupons for the tastings and, and really making it an activity. And so before I knew it, I went from being a a non-drinker to a social drinker here and there at at networking events, happy hours, whatnot. Then I started to catch on to why people were bringing boxes of wine to the beach. I was like, oh, now I get it. You can take it in a box, (laughs) like no clinking glass even. It's recyclable. Mm -hmm. I mean, wow. So you can see it really is kind of a slippery slope. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of analogies out there, like driving on a highway and taking an early exit. There's being on an elevator and getting off before you, you go to the bottom. That's kind of how I feel like my drinking experience was because I didn't start drinking until a little bit later and, and really actually looked at my drinking relatively soon. My, my whole drinking career, if you will, was all in about 15 years. Fifteen years, though. When I say that out loud, I'm like, fifteen years of really navigating alcohol from uh, always having that mental tug of war inside of is this right, is this wrong, is this too much, is this not enough? Should I drink more so I can tolerate more, so I can hang out with people and not have the room spinning because I had one. I mm-hmm. mean, there was a catch-up time, yeah. yeah. And so I never really had that total abandon. I'm just going to drink whatever I want, when I want. It was always with this exchange of control, wanting to lose a little bit of control, but never like lose control to the point that it affected me or anyone negatively. And I pretty much rode that line the whole time. And that in and of itself was exhausting to the drinking experience. Doesn't sound very relaxing,
0: (laughs) does it? Well, and, and that's the thing, just to clarify again, like we said at the beginning, this is Jen's journey. And we're inviting you in if you resonate with this and more just the mental agonizing, not being the version of yourself you want to be. Yes, We're not labeling this one way or another. We're saying for you, this was not providing even the escape you were hoping it would because then it was just so much mental energy over. Was it too much? Is it enough? It's like it's still not an enjoyable thing for you. Exactly. And not, you're not exactly. living the way that you want to live.
1: I think when people focus too much on the behavior like, yeah. of drinking itself, then they miss the point of, is it working for you? Yeah. I, I love that you brought up your point just now because I was asking by the time I realized, okay, I, I do feel like this, this drinking relationship has a grip on me. It has a hold on me. I feel slightly enslaved to it. Um, And I don't like that. I don't, here I am wanting to kind of relax. And yet I feel like it's got a pull and a hold on me where I've given over some of my power to it. And I feel like that is the issue, not the drink or drinking itself. It's where's your heart? Where's your mind? What are your motivations? What are your fears? Why are we doing what we're doing? So I I stopped finally um, in my mid forties asking the wrong questions. The wrong question I kept asking myself for about five years in there, 40 to 45, Jen, is it bad enough? Is your drinking bad enough? I'm Googling, am I an alcoholic at 3 Mm. a.m. in the morning? Is it bad enough? No. No, I I'm not getting into UI. I'm not losing anything. I can stop physically anytime I want to. I can put it down. I can do a whole 30 challenge. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't need it to function. I'm not not at that point of physical addiction where you know it's it's impeding my life i can put it down so i stopped asking the question is it bad enough because every time i asked that question i always found someone who had it worse i always could justify through comparison that my drinking wasn't bad enough to change hello i looked like everybody else
0: yeah oh yeah
1: on the outside so i i turned it around and i started asking myself the question jen is it good enough? Is your drinking good enough for you? Is your relationship with drinking helping you become the best version of yourself? Is it taking you where you really want to go? Is it matching up to your outsides being like your insides, or are you walking around with duplicity in a divided mind in a mental tug of war? And what what kind of opportunity or energy is that robbing you of because you're divided? That if you were wholehearted and aligned in your mind, body and spirit, what could you do? Yeah. Not what shouldn't you do? What could you do if you weren't managing this habit, mm-hmm. this rock that I had in my backpack that I was carrying around trying to run this amazing race, this, this elite race that God calls us to run? I mean, I have the, the verse in Hebrews, pinned to the back of my bathroom door all through that struggle, let go of anything. And I mean, anything that tries to ensnare you, trap you or pull you down from running your best race. And so when I stopped asking the wrong question and started focusing on the right question, the answers became much more clear to me. And that's when I knew, oh, no, it's not good enough. It's not working for me. It's not serving me or the people around me that I do want to serve. And that's when I feel like I partnered with God in this area before I'd been asking God to kind of take it away, take away, take Mm -hmm. away the desire, take away, get this wine out of my hand, (laughs) (laughs) take it away. And what I really felt God, you know, speak to my heart about was, no, Jen, I don't want to take it away. I want you to give it to me Mm -hmm. and I want you to partner with me in looking at this because there's so much more for you than behavior modification. There's so much more for you, Jen, than just not drinking or drinking less. There's so much more for you that if you'll partner with me and let me in, then, wow, sky's the limit because now you're aligned, you're wholehearted and you're not trying to serve two masters. I
0: needed to pick one. I did. I did. Okay, in Dallas, it's officially closed-toe shoe season. Fall has arrived, and I'm pulling out my shoes and realizing I may need a glow-up in that department. I've got my Rothy's pair that look amazing, even though they're a couple years old. They wash so well, and they're made sustainably with recycled materials like plastic water bottles. And you would think that would be uncomfortable, but nope. You can just, there's no wear-in period for Rothy's. You just pop them right on because there's not a seam. It's a seamless design and so no blistering. And I think it's great because you can choose from round or pointed toe flats, sneakers, loafers. They even had a really cute Chelsea sneaker that I just got an email about. And did I mention that they have a plush merino wool option? There is an exclusive autumn collection with this washable merino wool style with all kinds of colors. You guys listened to my color episode last week. Patterns and styles. And good news for the guys. It's not just for women anymore. Rothy's has men's sneakers and driving loafers. I'm thinking this could be a great option for the teen men in your life that uh, you may want the shoes to last a little bit longer than what they normally do. If you want to go check them out, you can see why customers say these shoes are like walking on clouds. Juliet says, there's no break-in period, no blisters, pure comfort. To help you welcome in the fall season in style, Rothy's is doing something special. That's right. They gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. Right now, you can get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash D-M-A. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash D-M-A. Head to rothys.com slash D-M-A to find your new favorites today. And I just feel like remove the word alcohol and insert X. Yep. You know, God's saying, he's saying, I want you to hand me your need for your kids to be perfect. I want you to hand me your career taking off and the success you're like, whatever the thing that your time, energy, attention is becoming bigger than what's yep. good for you. He wants to partner with you and it's all for your benefit. It's never like any of these guidelines or, I mean, I think they become, we we talk about legalism. Well, we don't want to be legalistic, but and we don't have to keep the law to be right with God, of course. But a lot of these laws we maybe are drawn to eventually because they're good for us and it's helpful. And it's even good for me to hear as I process my own journey as a 44 year old, you know, I'm again, I'm not, I do not want anybody listening to think that Jen and I are, Talking down to anyone. We are right okay. here with you in this challenge. And none of us are perfect. We're not going to get it perfect, but what's a better way to live? And I think particularly you and I said this coming off of the last. I gosh, it's becoming almost two years, y'all. Yeah. It's almost two years. Um, that's a long time. It's a long time. Two years of moms holding life together and having some coping mechanisms to just survive whatever that thing is, she might a hyper, she might be hyper exercising. That might be her thing where all her right. control and energy is coming from. It could be things that are good things that are becoming everything, but coming off of COVID, how have you seen even your ministry, sober sis transition and meet a felt need?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I'm so glad that God, that got got this started, that God started sober sis in um, 2018, because we had the base and almost the infrastructure and the community of like-minded women from all over the world already connecting so that we were ready to welcome in more people that just really, quite honestly, what I saw is some women who'd never really struggled in their relationship with alcohol because of the challenges of the COVID lockdown The quarantinis on Zoom instead of meeting up with their friends, you know, and just the stress, the incredible holding it, like you said, holding it all together, homeschooling their kids all of a sudden out of necessity, trying to still work full time, just incredible demand. And, you know, alcohol may have just been sitting there as kind of a neutral in their life, but now all of a sudden it's become a companion sometimes. Well, it was um, like, if we, could, if we could
0: make it, I mean, the days just were like on repeat, so right? long, so yeah. long. So if you could make it to so the long. hour that we make, you know, if we're in that gray area, we make yeah. it five o'clock. It's the acceptable five o'clock time is nine o'clock. And that's socially, totally acceptable. So, acceptable. <laughs> so then we, if we made it, it's a, like you said, it's a Tuesday and that's oh right. That felt, felt like a win right there. It was a win. Yeah, we oh, made it to sure. five o'clock and. Yep. I totally relate to that. And it's like, well, which, and I think beyond wine, I think it's like, which cocktail are we having tonight?
1: Oh, right. Let's yeah. Right. Let's and that became out.
0: the fun. Like you go. And then when you finally can see friends, oh my goodness, what fun cocktail have oh, they right. found and all
1: the mixers and cute yeah. little everything about it, which is a whole side conversation, uh, but just a little teaser. There are so many alcohol free And zero proof spirits out there now that don't have alcohol, but still can help create the ritual. Because I think really, honestly, a lot of times we're just drinking out of uh, default. It's a connection tool that our society, our culture has created as, hey, let's meet for drinks. Let's grab a drink. And really what we're doing, it's a bid for connection, but we're using the drink and so if we can replace what's in the pretty glass and still have the ritual and the fun yeah.
0: and all that, I feel like you're missing I'm, out Yeah, and
1: yeah. not missing out. I'm a real proponent of that. And on my Instagram, I do share a lot of, you know, mocktail recipes and just quite honestly, really, uh, elaborate adult cocktail recipes that are just alcohol free and really bring like taste and, you know, just the, the making of it the fun. together yeah. as yeah. the activity, but. But yes, I did. I definitely, definitely saw that. And again, no judgment here at all. If I would have still been drinking at that time, I definitely would have doubled down. (laughs) There's no question about it. And I do, I think for a lot of, a lot of people, it's just a, it's a cue. It's a trigger like transition, like daytime, nighttime. Like I've got this hat on during the day. Now I want to take that hat off and put on a different hat in the evening. And we've used, drinking, we've used alcohol as a signal or a cue to change hats. Yeah. And there are so many other tools and practical ways to do that. But if you're kind of caught in what I call the vino fly trap, or just kind of like that, that that's the what habit. I do. Yeah, it's, a habit. it's, it's, it takes a lot of intention to kind of do something different because we're all creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it was for me. It was just a well a uh, rutted pathway. It was like a neuro pathway of just habit that was really starting to to be more difficult to change because my brain was on board. It's like
0: let's go. So we may have heard, yeah, you know, the gal, the guy listening, they are on board and they totally get what we're saying and they'd love to hear just a few of your practical tips. We'll definitely connect you with. You have a free ebook. We'll connect you with all that. And We have links in the show notes to all the things. So you can go further with Jen, but give us a couple tips to kind of get us going.
1: Yeah. My free guide really does. I'm trying to help the woman who is at five o'clock wine o'clock. She's not wanting to never drink again, or never, you know, we're not saying forever, never always. It's just like, I I need help tonight or I'm going to a wedding this weekend. And I don't want to just tie one on. I just want to socialize without having to have a drink in my hand. How in the world do I do that and enjoy myself and not feel miserable and not white knuckle it with just a tremendous amount of willpower, which we can do, especially if you're in that gray area, you have the ability to tap into willpower, but it fatigues and then you're right back where you are. So some of the things that I have found really practically effective for me is one of the things I do is I play the movie forward. I look at five o'clock, And I, and you have to be honest with yourself for this tool to really work for it to be effective because in my mind, I was like, oh, I'll just have one. Okay. In reality, once I opened a bottle of wine, the chances of me just having one four ounce glass serving was pretty slim because I'll just have a little bit more playing the movie forward is being honest and realistic with going, okay, my intention is just to have one. But if I know myself and I know that typically once I have one, I want another one because that's the nature of the substance itself. It's to kind of kind of creates a thirst for itself. Yeah. So it's normal. Like your brain is working if you have one that you might want another one. OK, that's the reality of playing the movie forward. So it's going, OK, I want to just have one. But would I really just have one? I'd probably have two, maybe three. And my goodness, if it's a really long night or day and it's only five o'clock. And I can sip one an hour. Could I could I mindlessly sip through a bottle of wine on my own before ten? Yeah. Yeah, could. Okay, that's the reality. Do I really want to drink a bottle of wine on my own? Which again would some of your listeners are like, wow, she is in denial. (laughs) She (laughs) is definitely really,
0: uh, or some of them are saying, wow, I did that last night and and they don't, but I
1: guarantee you Heather, because I know this crowd because I was in it. And again, no judgment. I just understand because I'm coming from there. Yeah. Um, it became very normal to do the model breakdown. So that's the reality and it's really actually quite amazing that our bodies really can build up enough tolerance to be able to drink three or four glasses of wine in a long stretch with food and water and just you're at home and you're doing homework and kids are it's really easy to do. And so the reality is okay, if I play the movie forward, no, I'm not going to have just one. And that's that that was my intention and I can't follow through with that good intention because I'm up against something that is is against me, that's not going to want me to do that. So playing the movie forward is key. Having alternatives, whether that's an alcohol-free beverage in your glass or just a go-to that is already there. I think when we don't have an alternative or a plan at all, and we're just kind of going to wing it, yeah. again, our, we go back to our defaults so easily when we're not proactive. And then I also think changing up your routine. Um, I started walking my dogs in the evening mm. at five o'clock instead of going to the grocery store where the wine aisle at Target is in your face at three thirty or four o'clock while you're trying to scrounge together dinner options. That was my MO. I don't know what I'm <laughs> going to make for dinner tonight. I've been so good today. Maybe I'll get a salad going and oh, there's that bottle of wine. I said, no, 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 no. All through the store. And they got me at the cash wrap. Because my defenses were down. So now, you know when I when I first started changing this habit, I switched it around. I started going to the grocery store and doing things that might take more intention following through that were difficult for me in the morning when I had the most energy to follow through. And then I would do things that were easier for me closer to or at one o'clock that were, positive as well, but easier for me to do, like walk my dog or have a different drink in my, in my glass, but not, not go to the grocery store and not leave myself with no options. Yeah.
0: What do you think about when we create rules for ourselves? Like, okay, I'm only going to have one drink or I'm only going to drink when I'm with other people. Are those helpful or are those just setting ourselves up to feel bad because we break them?
1: Yeah. Great. Great question. Because I, you know, I am a rule follower, if they make sense. Um, if they, if rules <laughs> don't make sense, I'm the biggest rebel you'll ever be. Um, <laughs> but if they make sense, I'm like totally on board. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, with, with drinking in particular, being the, the drinker that I was and that being so read in as a habit, that I was constantly trying to moderate and manage to stay in that middle zone, which again, I could most of the time successfully do that. Uh, the rules to me were more work because rules didn't factor in the humanness. Yeah. I, I could moderate until I couldn't sometimes. I could do all the right things until I got a circumstance so outside of my control or an emotion that felt like a tsunami and then i would kind of hit the eject button like poop never mind rules are over no one else is following them around me anyway uh, you know i have there was even even a feeling of entitlement like <laughs> hello i'm done i'm done with the rules yeah like you can take that rule and <laughs> you know i'm going to drink at the rule now yeah now it's <laughs> like, like i'll show
0: a, you rule i'll show you rule <laughs> Who's
1: in charge Drinking now? Five and really, drinks
0: alone. I'm gonna break them both. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So for me, rules were, uh, and again, this is just for me, were almost counterproductive because they led to more guilt and shame. Guilt: yeah. I'm doing something I don't want to do. Shame: I'm not who I even want to be. I'm a bad person. Yeah. And um, it just it it magnified my desire to drink, the more I tried to
0: not do it. It, be, it became the focus, the attention. Your brain is thinking about it. It became the it. focus. Because yeah, 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 yeah. if
1: I wasn't drinking, I was thinking about drinking. I was thinking about not drinking. I was thinking about how I was thinking about drinking. And it was just, the again, the mental, emotional aspect of yeah. drinking was way more my nemesis than the physical ramifications. Although I will say in my 40s, the hangovers definitely started Affecting me more just because my body wasn't able just to bounce back as quickly. So that was a deterrent as
0: well. How can we in community, if one of our friends is in this space, be supportive if we notice they're maybe making a different choice or they've created a mocktail at a party? I
1: think number one, just holding space for people to be able to navigate this. I think sometimes when we see people not drinking, We just jump to so many conclusions or we want to, we want to categorize that as humans. We just love categorizing and and putting people in labels and boxes and instead maybe a curiosity, just being curious with them. Oh, that looks neat. What are you drinking tonight? Tell me more about that. You know, a lot of people are, are becoming alcohol-free for the health of it. Seriously, people are gluten-free. People are vegan. People are making all kinds of Uh, health choices, because things that they're putting in their body, whether that's eating or drinking just aren't serving them, they don't feel good. So a lot of people that I know that I've worked with, or just better friends of mine who don't drink anymore, just really feel better with without it. And so there's no label needed. I think it's, it's understanding that people have a lot of reasons for their choices. And always to as a hostess with the mostest, if you're hosting a holiday party or gathering at your house, always think through, I think, options for people. Mm-hmm. I think too often we assume that everyone's drinking. If we're drinking, I know I did. I mean, hello, why wouldn't everyone <laughs> want a mimosa? Right. But maybe if I had a Noseco available, someone even like myself who was kind of sober, curious or in that gray area. I might have gone for that and just opened my mind to even another alternative. And it's kind of fun just to have options for your guest and assume nothing. Yeah. And I think that's a good MO as we move into the holidays, just to have options.
0: And if you're that person who's making those choices and you're in your 21 day reset and you're in that group dynamic or the party and everyone is having a little bit more than you are, how do you stay in a place of not? judging or just feeling kind of a little bit, not tapped in to the vibe. Does that right. make sense?
1: Oh, total sense.
0: Yeah. How, yeah. What are some tips for kind of surviving that?
1: Yeah. And I and think this is well. a great question and a great topic for your listeners at this time. So first off, if you're heading to a holiday party, you know, again, you do you like, if that's going to be just two much for you and you've kind of got bandy legs and you're really trying to cut this habit or or drink less or not at all. And you know, you're going to an alcohol centric gathering where that is the focal point. It's almost like the special guest of honor is the drinking. Then you have permission to skip that one or maybe just pop in, pop out. But when I really looked at my relationship with drinking, I honestly didn't change my social life. And I have a very, uh, well, this is pre-COVID, had a pretty active social life. And uh, (laughs) most of my friends do drink alcohol. Uh, That's just a fact of life, including my husband, who still drinks. Here I am, aka Sober Sis, short for Sober Minded Sis. And uh, yeah, so people around me drink. So it's not a problem. It's not an issue. It's more about my mindset. So I think also being prepared ahead of time by pre-deciding and pre-planning. I know when I go to a party, alcohol is going to be served. It's going to be everywhere and that's okay. I've predecided I'm not going to drink or if someone's just doing my 21 day reset. Maybe they're just not drinking for a period of time, but pre-deciding and then BYOB. Sometimes I just bring what I want to drink because the hostess may not know about all these great alternatives. And I always say yes, when people, when I walk into a party or I'm sitting down at a restaurant And everyone's ordered an alcoholic beverage, which, again, is common. Um, And someone asked me, can I get you something to drink? I always say yes. And then I tell them what I want to drink. Yes, I'd love to start with some water. (laughs) Hello, I'm so thirsty. I've been running around all day. Uh, I'll start with water. Yes, I would love. I see you've got Top Chico over there. Yes, I'd love that. Let them know what you want. Um, and I think that takes that awkwardness away instead of fumbling around like, oh no, I'm supposed to say no to drinking. We'll say yes to something else. Yeah, and that great. keeps it really positive. And then also, you know, I tend to kind of go early or at least on time. Don't worry, I'm not that person that's going to show up at your <laughs> house like, way early. You can, like, you can help <laughs> cut up
0: vegetables or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, have set things up. Um, yeah, I show up, you know,
1: at least on time. But I usually kind of peel out by the time the vibe does start to change and people really are on that maybe third drink, which is common. That's usually my cue to, you know, I've got a great book I'm reading at home. I love a good bath bomb. I just switch gears. I'm like, okay, I've gotten my connection. I think I've connected with the people here on that same vibe. And now the vibe is changing. And so that's that's like, okay. See y'all. See y'all next time. Invite me again. I loved it. I had fun. But I'm wrapping, I'm wrapping this up. And they can keep on going, but I'm I'm done. I've I've you know done
0: what I needed to do and had fun. That's great. So many great tips, so relatable. And I am thrilled that I can connect listeners with your resources and keep going further with your community. And so thank you, Jen. Yeah, thank you. It's sobersys.com and you can get that free. Download and learn more there. So thank you so much. I love chatting with you right across DFW from one another. I love it. This was awesome. Thank you, Okay. Thanks y'all for listening. I was really inspired by this and am considering my own relationship with alcohol. I hope that y'all know that anything I have on the show, it's for me first, okay? And like we've said a billion times, there is no shame, no blame, but only want to help hold your hand if there is something that you've been feeling a nudge about and wanting more support in. If you want to go to Jen's website, SoberSys.com, there's a 21-day challenge, 21-day reset. They started it in November, November 1st. There's another one December 1st, but there are so many other resources there um, even if you go to her Instagram account, I noticed there was a alcohol-free mocktail highlight with lots of options if you're looking for something to make for your next party to give options for people. Um, I just feel like I'm thrilled to connect you with Jen and support you in your own journey whatever it is. And I want to pray over us. Lord, I thank you that you did give us bodies and minds and souls and that you put us on this earth for a purpose, that none of this is wasted. And I pray, Lord, that whatever distraction or thing in our life that is taking up more space and energy than you want for our own health and benefit, that you would bring that to mind and that we would hand it back to you, God, that we could walk in freedom to not be ruled by anything this world has to offer, but that we could Be free to love others better, to celebrate life fully and wholeheartedly, to be present with the people we love. And I pray that none of this, whether we focus too much on anything or just continue in habits that are not helping us, I pray, Lord, that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit to know you more, to be led by you more fully. I pray for each mom listening that you would not let Satan give put a foothold on her and discourage her and add shame on top of anything that we've talked about. I thank you that you are the healer and the giver of life and that you came so that we would not only have life but abundant life, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thanks y'all for listening. If you don't know, my book, Don't Mom Alone, is out and about. And if you have bought a copy on Amazon and you are loving it, If you could go leave a review today over on Amazon, that would be huge. I'm getting sweet messages from people telling me how much they're loving the book, but it would be such a gift if you would tell a friend or you would leave a review somewhere, share on social media. That just helps spread the message and free more moms from the burden they are trying to carry by themselves. So thank you all for supporting me in that. I will meet you back here next week. I'm going to have Dr. Julie Slaherty on the show. And it's really an encouragement to embrace the power you have in marriage. It's really good and very helpful. All right. Have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to DontMomAlone.com.